I'm just going with the flow. So, You're listening to Three Wise Truck Guys from Key Advisors. Hey, this is Keith Ealing from the Three Wise Truck Guys of Key Advisors. Welcome to our podcast. Happy holidays to all of you, and thank you again for joining us this morning and for joining us throughout the year. What a year this has been. Uh, we'll probably never forget this year. But we carry on, and so we're going to carry on today with part two of our DMS conversion discussion. Last month, we talked, started talking about uh, the process to go through and evaluating um, whether or not you need to make a conversion to a new DMS or upgrade your DMS, what to look at, uh, how to start that prep work for the project. Today, we're going to talk about how to go through choosing a DMS, that process of evaluating uh, the, the options that you're given and to determine if this is the right decision for you. So sit back, enjoy our conversation today, and again, welcome to the Three Wise Truck Guys podcast. Happy holidays. One of the most frequent comments I get from dealer principals after they've been through a system conversion and after the dust has settled and you ask them, hey, how do you feel about your new system? Is it working for you? They all pretty much say the same thing, which is, how all these systems do kind of the same thing and they kind of do it at about the same cost. The results of my business haven't changed. I guess I'm going to have to roll my sleeves up and start looking at processes. So business system itself isn't going to fix your business for you. You're going to have to do that on your own. So that takes us now into, into the, it takes us now into the idea of how do we, how do we start making this selection? You know, so we've, we've got, uh, We've got identifying the objectives. We've got um, identify the process improvement opportunities in front of any implementation. In fact, of in front of any decision, how do we go through this uh, through this vendor selection processes? Because right now we've talked about two things, and if we don't do those two things right, this decision is probably going to come off the rails. Um, John, I'm going to flip it to you. Tell me about this idea of the best way to do, if you want to, the worst way to do this vendor selection process. If you want this to be successful, you need to engage, you need to engage down to the lowest level of your organization. You need to have a broad team. I've seen this done and it's been successfully done on several occasions. I've also seen it where the uh, CFO and the dealer principal kind of kind of sequester themselves into the office, interview the vendors on their own in, in a very narrow uh, focus group. I, I think if you want this process to be successful, you need to engage everybody in your organization down at the lowest level. You need to take the risk that you're going to disrupt your business and create a little buzz in the business because the benefits of getting everybody plugged in. The first thing you're going to find out if you do that is number one, the existing system you've got does some things incredibly well and your people have worked long and hard to figure out how to optimize the use of that system. And, and so that'll give you some insights into what you're going to lose if you go to another system. And, and the second thing that'll fall out of the tree is what's the gaps in the new system. So you just can't ever get that kind of insight about what you're going to lose and where the gaps are if you don't go all the way down to the shop level, to the, to the service writers, the warranty clerks, to your parts counterman. I think, and I think, John, you talked about gaps. Mark, I'm going to let you speak to this here in a minute because you've seen it uh, more than I have. You just saw it in the last two months or so. But, you know, it's not just, it's not just seeing 
what what is the what is the new system bring or what could it potentially bring it's also what's missing in the new system from what the old system did you know there, there are things that we know that are differences between either upgrades or switching business system vendors that that dealer relied upon that tool to do that process doesn't mean they can't do it mark as you said with a different business system vendor but at least you got to recognize what's missing yeah that, that that's the point that's really i guess i'm, I'm struggling to explain okay is that uh, uh they they each have a different view of how they get from point a to point b but they all want to get to point b and they right. all do get to point b but they're taking different roads okay and and that's why it's so important to align your process and daily duties and know what those changes are before you get there. When you find out after is when these things blow up and cost you more money and it becomes even a bigger disruption to your business. And my experience is that's, that's the majority of these transitions go in that direction. The, the upfront work, the prep work, okay uh wasn't done so if i know what i want my process to be not necessarily what i'm doing today but what i want it to be and how does that match up helps me make a decision with which dms provider i'm going to and then once i choose one identifying the gaps and the changes that's what we're going through with a client right now the changes to my process sometimes that means i need a third-party software added to it uh, uh, sometimes it's just uh, a little bit different way of accounting and so forth, okay? But identifying that ahead of time, okay, so that when you go through the setup process, and that this is where, where all that matters, okay, the software is set up so it impacts the work the way you want to do it. Right. All right? And, and when that doesn't happen, then you're, you're fighting with the DMS provider to send out more support, blaming them, they're blaming your people didn't go through the training, but it's really all about communication and not having the process ready. Mark, you got you got an example of where this has worked really well. I know you don't need to name the dealer, of course, but you have an, an example of where this has worked really, really well. Yeah, a, a large dealer group that we work with, um, uh, one, of, one of the probably in the top 15 or 20 dealers that we work with, large group, uh, was changing systems, uh, uh, and although we weren't part of the decision to change the system, once they decided to do to change the system, they wanted us involved. And what we did was go in and map their current processes, look for opportunities for that dealership to make to make uh, more profit, to handle the customers better, all the things that that we look at, and then matched up. Uh, to the DMS system they were buying and built the process with that team, not gave them the process, but built the process with that team of what they want to look look at down the road. So the, the, these these huge workshops were, were representation from every position, not necessarily every person because this was a huge dealership, but representation from every position was involved and the feedback was forced out to every employee as to what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what we see at the other end. And more importantly, they didn't focus on making more money specifically or handling customers specifically, but focused on 
what it means to you in your position. John, you're raising your hand. Yep. You know, Mark, that's a, I've got another success story I'd like to tell, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to oh, cut you off. Here. Look, a lot of times we view this, uh, uh, this robust vendor selection as a, as a go or stay, but, but actually there's a third alternative and uh, Keith, one of the projects we've been involved in and, and because they got people deep down in the organization intimately involved, kind of what they were able to figure out was, well, look, with a little bit of, first off, I think most dealer principals would admit they only use 20 to 25% of the functionality of their existing system, right? Nobody uses their system very efficiently, and certainly nobody uses it to the capacity that it was designed to, okay? But when you get your people deeply involved, what you sort of find out is there may be some opportunities either to make some some incremental tweaks to the existing system and spend a modest amount of money with your existing business system vendor to make some modifications that will make your existing system much more effective. So I think there's a there's a third outcome here, you know, as opposed to just keep what we got and keep using it the way it is or make a big switch. In the middle, there's this other alternative that sometimes percolates to the surface when you get your people deep, deeply engaged in this process. And that's Maybe we can just make some modifications to our existing system. That that's a really good point. And and you know the, the, to finish this, this example just real quick. Okay, we also were very involved with then implementation of the process immediately after the installation of the software. So we were we were actually there when the software went in, and we re-emphasized the new process and the steps to it. Not that there wasn't some pushed back from a few people. I'm not saying it was a perfect install, but it was probably one of the most successful installs that, that I've seen done. And they're very happy with the product. Uh, it, I can't tell you how many times we're doing, doing uh, any, any kind of consulting that as key advisors, we go into a department, into a dealership that's looking to change. And when you ask them why, they say because it doesn't do this, and we know for a fact that it does do that. Right. All right. And so, when you talk about utilization, John, you really perked my my interest. I don't think anybody needs to utilize one hundred percent of the system. I think you utilize the portion of it you need to match to your goals, your objectives, your your strategic plan. Okay. Yeah. And and don't try and get utilization to one hundred percent. Because in the case of most of these, there's multiple ways to reach point B within that one system. All right, you've got to pick the one that matches your process and, and your personnel. You know, I, I, Mark, I was engaged with you. I think I know which dealership you're talking about, which group you're talking about. If I remember right, in the parts workshop, the first time we did it, we had probably 50 people. You probably had 50 people in your service workshop that week-long event. And I think we did two or three of those in mapping and, and finalizing and, and building processes and setups in addition to with the same 50 people two or three times or the core probably three times over the course of a of a year before they installed what's really interesting about that was that the decision making was driven down as to what vendor they wanted to bring on that was driven down into the into that lower level as well and i don't know if you got the 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 um mandate i guess from the from the cfo of that group but when we the first time we did the the process mapping and starting to align the process with the current discovery 
first of all, identifying gaps and then aligning the, the new process to the technology, what he said was, the decision has been made now to go with this business system provider. So this is not this is not a time to discuss, are we going to go to the business system provider? We've made that decision. As, as a team, we made that decision. Now it's the time to accept that and we're gonna, now we're moving into how do we optimize how we do business, build the setups right, determine the training, you know, who's going to be doing what, role duties and descriptions. That whole process probably was a year and a half, maybe it probably was closer to two years, I'm guessing, before they went live. It, it took had, a long time. And they had an implementation team, if you remember. <clears throat> yes, they All did. Right, from that, for each each type of the bit, every part of the business, they had a, a representative, not as big as what we put through the workshops, but an right. implementation team. They didn't manage it from the from the top tower, right? Right. People on the floor manage it. Okay. You know, I think I think we could talk about a lot of bad ones. Um, I know I know that you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking of a couple that that the 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 characteristic the. The underlying characteristic of all of these was it was it flowed from executive level down. There was not input from from that from those line people, a technician as to how to record time or how to place a parts order or whatever it is. It flowed from the top down. No consideration was given to how do we change the process. And the other piece was no consideration was given to the setups to support the process. We just went through this with a large group um, and their vendor, and one of the big things that we were able to instill was we have to be we have to participate in the setup building and definitions because they support the processes. You know, John, you talked about the uh, the vendor managed inventory. If you build your setups your inventory control setups and parts correctly, you can mimic what happens on your vendor managed inventory and you can start to now hold that OE accountable. But if you don't think through it in that manner and you just say, hey, copy over what I've had for 38 years and those were set up based on some defaults 38 years ago, you can never do what you want to do with that system. All right, so guys, we've, we've made it through three of the five you know, the first one being identifying the business objective and how we want that business system to support those objectives. Secondly, Mark, your, your passion point of, uh, of rebuilding and redefining the processes before any change is made in the business system. Because, John, it might lead to, hey, we don't need to make a change. We're just utilizing the system better. Number three, is, number three is integrating... Um, the team into this decision-making process of whether or not to whether or not to switch, and whether or not which vendor to switch to, and I'm sure that is also part of an RFP building process. I mean, that's where we've inserted ourselves is in that step two and three many times as to, okay, now let's build the RFP. This is what you need, and so let's help you build the the RFP and evaluate what the what the providers are giving to you. In terms of the demos and so on, um, but now we're into we're into starting to uh, how do we validate? How do we validate what's being presented to the to to us as as the dealer in terms of uh, of 
this is the, the features, this is what the, the system can do. You know, we've got multiple calls, we've got interviews, questionnaires. Certainly we have the demos that are going to be done. But then we have a written, if you will, a written proposal coming from the business system vendors as to this is what it's going to do. And we're not talking about cost, okay? We're talking about functionality yeah. and what it can do. And so, you know, um, I, 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 I look at these proposals, and again, it's not that I don't trust the representations of, of, of what the DMS providers give to the dealers when they, when they are giving them the proposals. But I would hope, just as with anybody using our services, you know, we talked, Mark, earlier about one of our wins this last month was that dealer that's got almost 100% ROI, which is lower than we would get on most on most uh, service interventions. But I would hope that, that when we're proposing something, that our prospective customer would ask us for references. And they would call our references and they would say, hey, tell me about what, what key advisors have done for, for you on the used truck side or the service side or whatever. You know, that same rigor, John, I think is what was what it needs to take place on as they're evaluating the DMS. Hey, here's my, here's the proposal. Give me some references as to who you've, in, who you've installed this for with these features, these products and whatever. You know, that, that mark, you use the term trust but verify. Keith, uh, amen. I, I think you're, look, all of these organizations are very capable. They've all got their own process for pulling together a proposal. They're, they're all very professional. They're all very uh, diligent. And uh, and they all put together a nice package uh, when they're trying. That's what you have to do in a hyper-competitive industry like these guys compete in. So they're all, they're all pretty good, but that doesn't relieve you of your responsibility of trust but verify. Yeah. So, Mark, John, give me a little example of how you might go about doing this process, if you don't mind. Well, so for example, Keith, we're we're in the, we're observing one right now where, and and I think Mark has kind of poked at this one with the service scheduling issue, right? Where there's a gap, and uh, and so we've asked the, uh, the the dealer to make sure that they've communicated with other people to verify that our understanding of the gap is correct. So there's an example where we we very uh, tangibly provided a specific example of something that the, the dealer should be following up on and now they're developing a contingency plan. So that that would be one example that I would, would throw out. Okay. Mark, thoughts on how we trust but verify? Well, the, 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 uh, it, it, it's really, uh, it's really calling other dealers. It's really calling people you know that are using the system and not necessarily the recommended, uh, uh, referrals that they that the DMS providers give you, but most of us have a network of people uh, in other dealerships, and and reach out and just talk and talk to their frontline people, and better yet, have your frontline people talk to their frontline people yeah. about how they manage that. Uh, you know, it, it sounds so basic, Keith, right? But when we think about some of the biggest disappointments that we've had in system conversions. The fact is the dealer principal simply didn't pick up the yep. phone and make phone calls, okay? So, I mean, I, I people weren't waiting for rocket science. This is so basic, so fundamental, but yet it doesn't get done more often than you 
would think it should. Yeah, I, I, you know, I made a note here that you know we talked when we introduced this about one of our customers saying that was maybe the worst business decision they've ever made. I wonder how much they 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 investigated this. Yeah. So really, you know, we could go on for for quite a while about this, but Keith. Trust but verify. Just because yep. you made professional representations doesn't relieve you as the dealer principal of verifying this and, and doing some, It doesn't take time. It's not hard. Pick up the phone, call some people that have recently been converted. Any one of these vendors will give you a list of names of guys that they've just added to their portfolio, yep. talk about how the conversion went, issues at post-conversion. And most importantly, how about support after the product's been installed, support how it how have they been there? So, you know, those are the questions that you need to be following up on. Yeah, and I think site, Mark, you talked about the lower levels, getting site visits done and things like that, too. Uh, you know, the, the, these DMS providers are, they are your business partner, right? I mean, they, you're. And they, and they want to be. And they want to be. They want to yeah. be, but you've got to have the communications with them. And you've got to address these things head on, and, and it's better to do it before you start implementing because there's going to be other ones that pop up once the implementation once the implementation starts, and that's right. why if I have buy-in from my frontline people that aren't afraid to raise their hand when those happen during the implementation, they can be managed much more effectively yep. and find your way through them. So we've talked about four of these keys to success. Again, first one is is defining the objective. Second one is the process improvement in front of in front of the uh, implementation integrating integrating your team into the the decision process the evaluation process and then trust but verify investigating and making sure that what uh, what's represented is can actually work and you probably learned some things about the way the system works the fifth one is about how we build the conversion plan a detailed implementation and conversion plan you know i think this one is uh um, maybe not as straightforward, Mark. Maybe not quite as intuitive as the first four. Uh, no, it, it, it's not. And we've kind of talked around this uh, uh, throughout our discussion today. But uh, uh, but if we've done the research, if we've involved the people, this shouldn't be a top-down decision as to what this conversion plan should be. It should be a joint decision by the by the stakeholder representatives that are part of this this transition team done in conjunction with the DMS provider and any other third-party software that you're attaching to the system. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Mark, because almost everybody's got integrations from a CRM, from a, a decisive product, from um, the OE. OE, from payroll right. systems. You know, there's a variety of things. Um, yeah, I think I think this implementation plan is crucial. Um, John, you got any thoughts on it? Any any best practices here we yeah. might want to think about? Yeah. Well, you know, timing. <laughs> it seems like uh, some of the challenges we see is just because they were trying to shoehorn an installation in an unrealistic period of time, or at a point in time during the year when it was not convenient. So you know, as the dealer principal. Uh, when you're going to schedule this thing is really, really darned important. So, can I can I ask a question to both of you guys? Then, so I made a note here about time frame before you go live. I mean, again, based on our experience of of being intimately involved in these, both 
before, the good ones, and the afters where we've had to come in and, and clean up and rebuild. What What is an appropriate time frame of, of, you know, the time to go evaluate processes, the time to build setups, the time to go through the mapping, Mark, you know, like we did with that group you were talking about, the time of, of defining roles, the training times that the pre-work training times of uh, the DMS, the uh, um, the conversion times. I mean, what what is a, a a good lead time, an adequate lead time? Let's say to before you would go live. Well, I I, I think I think it's different from I know it's different for every dealer group. All right, okay. depending how much of that structure they currently have built, okay. and and how good their current processes are, the ability of their their team members. Uh, 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 how much training is going to be needed? Uh, is there buy-in or ready for the change, or is it uh, have to be established uh, and sold to the frontline people and so forth? Okay, if I was to make a guess, I would say it's at least six months to accomplish all of that. Okay, John, you got any comment on that? Yeah, I, I, Mark, all due respect, I would have said that the ones that I've seen that have been really successful have been at least a year. Uh, yeah. That's why I said at least, yeah. Yeah, so most, if I was a dealer principal, I'd be looking from at my, and I was considering a change, I would look two years out from when my contract with my existing provider expires and, oh. and start having a, dis a strategic discussion around what do we want to accomplish, what success look like. I would start doing that at I, least. I definitely agree with you, John. I was talking about once the decision was made for the yeah. implementation plan only, that, we're in violent that, agreement uh, here, huh? Yeah, <laughs> we're always in agreement, Jeff. We just yeah, think I, we're not sometimes. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I think six months is really pushing it. I, I think that to get through, to get, it, it depends on the dealership, right, and the size of it and so on. But if you're one of these 25 rooftop location dealerships and you're making a change, you're, you're not going to get it done in six months. Yeah. Just, you just don't have time. No, but that's, hey, say that's a minimum from the time I've made a decision to go with ABC. It's a minimum of six months. Yeah. Okay. I think the other thing, Keith, you need to think about is, uh, you know, look, these uh, business system vendors all have their own implementation. Exactly. Too, right. So you better uh, better understand that. That's an important consideration in terms right. of the implementation plan as well. Hey, so to go along with this, and I guess maybe to wrap this to wrap these five things together, um, and I know that when we this fifth one in terms of the conversion plan, we may or may not have signed the signed the agreement. This may be part of part of, of putting together the decision making process. But I would think by this point in time, once we got through number five, if we were doing these things and we we're doing our due diligence appropriately, we should be able at some point, Mark, uh, from a process standpoint, to determine. Hey, we can we can shrink our throughput process from A to B by 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 this technology change. Or, you know, John, to your point on on closing the month, this is what's reasonable in terms of closing the month of changing business systems or whatever those things are. If we're doing our due diligence, and I would think, I would think at this point we might be able to start to put together. A return on investment number, an estimate, right? I mean, it'll never be exact, but hey, if we can take three days out of the dwell time um, and open capacity up in our shop by three days more, or 
close the month by cut the time to close a month and a half, you know, we could start to put together an ROI to say, hey, does this make sense financially or from a from closing the month or whatever it is, does this make sense for us to, to make this change? Or are we better off just, as John said, Mark, you you said as well, improving our processes, improving what we do, and it's a utilization improvement, not a, not a vendor change. And that's a question, I guess, more to you guys. Is that realistic at this point to start to, to make a ROI estimate or different ROI estimates? Keith, I'm going to say uh, that you, you probably could, although okay. I also concede at the same time that the decision to change business vendors might be based on some qualitative factors. Sure, understood. As opposed to some quantitative factors, and uh, or, or, or perhaps the qualitative factors just reinforce the economics uh, as suggested by the quantitative factors. But, but you know, there may be relationship issues with your existing uh, BSV that make a change. So there's a lot of, there's sure. there's a more to cook the soup here than just the numbers, but uh, I would say that you've certainly got the, the basis for making an economic decision in terms of whether this makes sense or not. Mark, any thoughts on that? No, I think, you know, at, at some point it always comes down to dollars and cents. I'm trying to do something better uh, so certainly looking at some sort of ROI is it, not an issue, but but uh, uh, I think it would be pretty hard, pretty hard to uh, hit that nail square on the head. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I think yeah. I think it's just starting to say, hey, you know, there's a potential 300,000 percent improvement by doing X, Y and Z. You know, I, I'm I'm. I'm I guess I, for for everyone listening that knows me, I'm pretty direct, okay, and and the the examples you've given can be done on any of those systems. So you go back to the first thing we talked about is what is it you want to accomplish to get there, and that research may expose you to the fact that the system you have already can do that. Right. All right. right. Just just point blank, okay. Right. Uh, to to me. That's not a valid reason for changing system because of Understood. the disruption it's going to cause. Right. Okay. So just, just, you know, if if you if all those listeners don't like what I say, tune me out. <laughs> you, you don't go away though, that you. No, I don't go away. <laughs> hey, you know what? We've uh, we've spent an hour and twenty minutes almost talking about this. I'm, we could we could dig a lot deeper. I think that the really important thing here is we've laid out five keys to uh, to trying to make this decision and not just the decision about whether to change, but if you do change, how to execute that very, very successfully. You know, we, we've not talked about the disruption and per se and, and some of the other things, but even at the best, John, this is going to really test your company, right? I mean, this is going to test your company if you're making a major change like this. Keith, I just want to reinforce your point. This is really a disruptive process, but you know what? At the end of the day, regardless of what your decision is, if you follow this process, a lot of good things are going to fall out of the tree, even if you elect to stay with your existing business system. Ben. I, I agree with that. Business. Agreed. Mark, before we close, any thoughts? Because I, I think that you've been involved in these. We do this as a, you know, we do this as a company, and we're, we're, really good at this. I mean, whether it's a 
consulting engagement where we're enhancing utilization or we're working with the implementation in advance and the setups and the and and doing the process analysis and so on or if we have to come in afterwards and clean it up we're really good at this but you know any thoughts on this before we go no i i i, I really think it it all starts if you take the time to do the research and they have a clear view of what you're trying to accomplish uh you're going to make the right decision whether that's staying with your system or changing because there are differences and and the fact that abc does this this way even though uh xyz can get it accomplished you like the way abc does that that could be a very valid reason yeah, or it right. may it may uh it may enhance some future thing that you want to accomplish with your company and so forth right. so there are reasons to change besides price and i'm not against that okay just know that it's going to be very disruptive to your business uh for three to six months minimum once you turn it on and uh the better you prepare the better you involve your people uh the more success you're going to have and the more you're going to shorten that disruption i agree with that 100 percent you know as I, again john mark um thanks for spending an hour and a half with me um and i you know thanks everybody that's listened today I think we've had a really good conversation, a really good conversation. Um, and we've got some some high points here. We've talked about the five uh, the five key practices. Number one, define the business objective that your business system must satisfy. It may be more than one. What are the process improvements and the opportunities in those improvements that have to be addressed before any changes are made to the business system, whether it's utilization or changing system providers. Number three had to do with integrating all your organization into the vendor selection process. It's not a top-down decision. Defining a process for validating the uh, representations by the vendors as you're making the decision is really important. That's number four. And finally, developing that disciplined and implement that disciplined implementation, training plan, conversion plan, doing it up front, giving yourself plenty of time. It may seem like a long time. If you're a year out, reality is you're going to take up every bit of that year to, uh, to make this happen well. So, you know, we, we would encourage you to, uh, to call us with any questions regarding what we've talked about. We'd love to have, have the opportunity to help you uh, to go through this process as well. We've done it, as we said, many times and with a lot of success. So, uh, it has been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to Three Wise Truck Guys, the podcast from Key Advisors.